Kings chapter number 17. 1 Kings chapter number 17. I hope that y'all are enjoying this. Every now and again, I will get to thinking, you know, that we've been looking at miracles of the Old Testament for a long time. Maybe I should switch to something else. And then I'll study the next one, and I'm like, no, we ain't switching. Boy, I'm telling you what, there is just so much stuff in these Old Testament stories. I just love them and the applications and just enjoying it. So I hope that y'all are enjoying it too, because every time I think that we need to switch to something else, I get looking at the next story, and I'm like, no, they just, it's too good. And so, and the, the Word of God is good. You know what? If you take the time to dig into it, it's all good. So, First Kings chapter number 17, continuing to look at the miracles of Elijah. Uh, we see that Elijah uh, started off, you know, he just showed up on the scene. The first thing that he did, I need to turn on my mic. Thank you, fellas. All right. I told you. Work done on the sound system, so they're probably like, now, what's the matter? We can't hear Pastor John at all, but uh, we're on now. Good. But uh, anyway, um, Elijah just showed up on the scene. Had no background, no history, no, no nothing about him. He just showed up, told Ahab, not going to rain, and then of course God uh, sent uh, Ahab there by the brook. The ravens fed him, and then God sent Ahab or uh, Elijah. He sent Elijah down there uh, to the widow at Zarephath, and uh, of course she had to act on faith, you know, and begin to uh, give to Elijah. And God supplied her need. And we see here in uh, verses 17 down through verse number 24 that once again Elijah is relying on the miraculous power of God. Once again, Elijah has found himself in a place where he must trust in God to provide deliverance, to provide healing, and even to provide life as Elijah faces and navigates the different difficulties that come into his life. Now here in 1 Kings 17, verses 17 and 24, though, a new problem arises. Up to this point, Elijah has been trusting God to provide food and water during a time of famine. That's what he's been trusting God for. He, he uh, shut off the rain and then he's been trusting God, whether it were the ravens, whether it were the widow, Elijah has been trusting God to provide food and water. Uh, food and water were scarce, uh, but food and water were available. And also, it was a little easier for Elijah to trust God in this area because God had already proven his ability to supply food and water. Uh, we had the stories of the children of Israel in the wilderness when God provided manna, when God provided quail. We know that God is capable. We had the stories of the children of Israel in the wilderness uh, when they were thirsty. If you remember back uh, oh, several uh, months ago, maybe even a couple years ago, when we were looking at how uh, the children of Israel were uh, begging Moses for water, and then we found that just a two days journey later, they came unto all this water, and they should have never rebelled against God. God had the ability to provide water. God had the ability to provide food. And so although Elijah is having to trust God, Elijah is able to look back at what God has proved he can do and he's able to rely on God for what God has already proven. You know what? Sometimes when God asks us to obey, we can strengthen our faith by looking at other similar situations where he has proven his ability. You, you want to strengthen your faith uh, in ministry. Well, I love to read stories of people who God has blessed in ministry. And I'm like, boy, if God can take this person and do what, that with them, maybe God can take me and do something with me. If you find yourself uh, praying over someone uh, who is battling a sickness uh, and someone comes along to encourage you, they normally encourage you by sharing a story of how God worked in the life uh, of someone they knew who was battling the same sickness. Uh, we often can strengthen our faith by listening to stories or looking at accounts 
where God has already proven His ability. But you know what? There are times when we have no reference. There are times when we are up against a situation that we have no example. We don't have anything we can look at. We don't know anything that's been in this know, know anyone that's been in this situation. And so we come to this place and we're like, all I can do is trust that God is all-powerful because I have no example to show me that God has delivered in this situation before. This is exactly where Elijah finds himself in 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 to 24. Would, if you would read with me, starting in verse number 17. And it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick, and his, sick, and his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. The Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again. He revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is true. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness to us. I thank you for this opportunity we have to come to your house. I thank you, dear Lord, for those that are here. Lord, those that have uh, gotten up out of their chair, uh, got, put their uh, shoes back on and came back out in the evening, Lord, for the purpose of worshiping you. And Father, I thank you for each one of them. I thank you for their faithfulness. And I pray, dear Lord, that they will be rewarded for their faithfulness. And Lord, that you will take this passage of Scripture and this outline that you have given me. And Father, that you will speak through me. And Father, that you will encourage uh, you will challenge, and Lord, you will strengthen our hearts that, Lord, we might be better equipped to serve you. Thank you, dear Father, for your goodness to us. Bless us throughout this evening. Be at the children's service downstairs. I pray you bless and be with uh, Pastor Kent and Aiden as they are teaching those downstairs. I pray you be with those that are on site tonight. I pray you bless in the on site service. And, Lord, all that's done that you will be glorified. And, Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So we come here to 1 Kings chapter 17, verses 17 to 24, and we see that Elijah has found himself again needing to rely on God. I think this was a habit of Elijah's life, uh, so it wasn't anything new that he needed to rely on God, but we find him again needing to rely on God. And as we dive into the passage, the first thing that we see is some unexpected trouble. Some unexpected trouble. It says, and it came to pass after these things that the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, fell sick. And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. Now, the obvious problem of the day uh, was the famine. Uh, there was no rain, and as a result, there were no crops, uh, and as a result, there was no food. Uh, so food and water was at a premium. Uh, this was a situation that was affecting everybody. Uh, everybody was uh, suffering from the famine. Uh, everybody uh, was having to make adjustments because of it. I believe that the famine had probably altered their lifestyles. Uh, the famine had rearranged their priorities. 
The famine had curbed their wastefulness. The famine had encouraged them to start rationing their food. The famine had taught many of them how to preserve food. The famine had changed many people. The famine was the trial that everyone was facing. This famine was a nationwide issue. Everyone was aware of it, and everyone was combating it to the best of their ability. As a result of the famine, there are some expected hardships that they were going to face. And those that affect, were affected by the famine prepared themselves for these expected hardships. Although they were unpleasant, they had prepared themselves for them and they were ready for them. Then we come to the widow. Elijah comes to the widow in the last portion of the passage. And he comes to the widow and the widow says, All I have is a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil. I'm gathering sticks so I can go bake a cake. My son and I are going to eat it and then we're going to die. And Elijah said to the lady, he said, go do what you've said, but first make me a little cake. And of course we saw how that the lady went. She put her faith in God. She listened to the man of God. She prepared a little cake. She gave it to Elijah. And because of her obedience and because of her faith, God blessed her home and the barrel of the meal did not go empty and the cruise of oil did not run dry. Now we rejoice in that story and rightfully so that we rejoice in that story. But if we put ourselves in that day and in that age and in the folks of the community and all those who are suffering from the famine, this lady's problems just went away. Everybody else is still suffering from the famine. She don't have to worry about the famine anymore. Everybody else is still having to ration out food. She doesn't have to worry about rationing food out anymore. Everybody else is still having to, to figure out ways uh, uh, that they can eat less. Uh, they're trying to figure out ways that they can make the food go further. They're trying to figure out ways uh, uh, that they do without so that their children can have. Uh, these are things that she did have to do, but she doesn't have to do them anymore. In other words, her problems went away. Her problems went away. All of the danger that the famine presented for her and her family have been removed. At no fault of her own, actually because of her obedience, she has been moved into a place where she is very comfortable. You know what the Bible tells us that whenever God blesses us that there is a danger that we will become comfortable. We will move into a place where we are no longer aware of the possibility of danger. This lady before Elijah came into her life this lady was on the brink of death. She was done. She was finished. God blessed her because of her obedience. Nothing wrong with this. But and at no fault of her own, she had moved into a place of being comfortable. And because she had moved into that place of being comfortable, when she met Elijah, she was afraid that her son was going to die. But now, she doesn't expect her son to die. That fear is gone in her mind. But in God's mind, and in the course of life, it is still a very real possibility. You know what? Often, whenever we think all our troubles are behind us, whenever we think that we're finally able to have some smooth sailing, life will throw us something completely unexpected and derail us again. 
this lady thought that all her troubles were over. She thought that she wasn't going to have to worry anymore. She thought that her family was provided for and taken care of. And then we see that she met some unexpected trouble. She was preparing for her son to die. Now that the danger was past, the need had been met, the provision had been given, she thought there was no fear, and her worst nightmare still took place. In verse number 17, we find the widow who had obeyed God. We find the widow who had trusted God. We find the widow who had seen God provide, sitting on the floor of her house, holding her lifeless son. I want you to get this picture in your mind, because boy, I tell you what, it just got a hold of me today, and I'm hoping I can translate that to you. Here sits a lady who obeyed God, who trusted God, who God provided for her in such a way that her main concern, the life of her son, was taken care of. It's sitting in the floor holding her lifeless son. You know what the Bible says in Job 14 and verse number 1? Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. All of us throughout this life are going to be prone to encountering unexpected trouble. We are never free from the possibility of facing a dreaded disease, an unforeseen loss of life, a life-shattering tragedy. We are but dust. We are frail. We exist solely as the mercy of God. And at any time, we can find ourselves exactly where this widow is, dealing with trouble that was completely unexpected. Now, a few months ago, this widow thought that her son was going to die. But now she thought she didn't have to worry about that anymore. We find her facing her biggest fear. And because she faced this fear, and because she's now lost her son, she's dealing with this unexpected trouble. In verse number 18, we see an emotional response that resulted from the death of her son. An emotional response. In verse 18 it says, And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? This lady had an emotional response. This lady uh, who had obeyed God, this lady who had obeyed what Elijah said and had made him a cake first, this lady who had seen God provide, who for months had eaten meal out of a barrel that would not run dry. She had poured oil out of a cruise that would not run dry. For months she has seen God provide, and now her son is dead, and she looks at Elijah, and she says to Elijah, she says, What have I to do with thee? Art thou come to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? She was angry at Elijah because her son had died. Now, you look at this and you can say, My goodness, what is wrong with this lady? that she would have such a response to Elijah. I mean, surely we understand her grief because she lost her son. But why is she taking it out on Elijah? Why is she angry at Elijah? Why does she, she remember all that God has done? Well, let's think about it for a minute. This lady had obeyed the will of God. She had trusted the man of God. She had exercised faith in the power of God. She had received bounty from the hand of God. When she had met Elijah, all hope was lost she was going 
to die. That's what she told Elijah. Now, whenever she told Elijah that, I don't believe that she was full and strong and healthy. This was just the last bread that she had. No, I believe that she had been rationing her supplies for a long time. I imagine that she was very, very weak. I imagine she had been trying to give her son more than she consumed herself, but I imagine her son was very weak also. I imagine they were very malnourished where they had been trying to spread their food out and make it last as long as they could. And I believe that this lady truly believed that we're going to eat this cake and then within a few days we are going to be dead because we do not have the strength or the health to survive. At the time that she met Elijah, I don't believe that this lady necessarily desired death, but I believe she was at such a point in her life that death was beginning to look like an escape from the suffering that she and her son was in. But God had sent a deliverer. God sent Elijah. God provided bread. She regained her strength. And most importantly to her, her son regained his strength. Her son regained his health. The suffering was gone. Death was no longer looming in the doorway. Things were looking a whole lot better. The future looked bright. But you know what? The thing that concerned the mother the most in that time of famine, the thing that concerned that mother the most when she went to make that last cake of bread, the thing that concerned her the most was the health of her son. Every good parent is more concerned about the health of their children than they are their sake. Every good parent is more concerned that their children have enough to eat than they are themselves. Every good parent prefers that their children be strong and be healthy. Every good parent will do without so that their children can have. This lady's number one concern was her son. So when Elijah showed up in town, the prayer that was answered was that her son was being taken care of. The prayer that was answered was now her son had bread. The prayer that was answered is now her son could be healthy. The prayer that was answered is no longer would she have to look at her son and see him suffer. The prayer that was answered for this lady was the life of her son. That was the prayer that was answered. So whenever the son died, it's no wonder that she reacted to Elijah the way that she did. Bread didn't mean anything if the boy was dead. The meal and the oil had no value if the boy was dead. The need that she had in her life was the health of her son. And although she had obeyed God, although she had trusted God, although she had did what Elijah said, her prayer was the health of her son, and her son was dead. Bread didn't mean anything anymore. So it's no wonder that she responded the way she did. She didn't want food for herself. She wasn't trying to preserve her own life. And now that her son was gone, that miraculous provision of meal and oil lost its glimmer in the eyes of that heartbroken witch. Here she sat, holding her son. Meal and the oil lost you know what, there are times in life that God will bless us and we will rejoice in His blessing. 
But then we will come to situations in our life. We will come against obstacles in our life. We will come into circumstances in our life that we did not expect that will take away the glimmer of the earlier blessings and we will forget what God has done because the trial that we are in, in our mind and in our life is so much bigger than the blessing that He gave us before. The provision of the meal and oil was huge. The loss of her son was so much bigger that in her mind it dimmed what God had done with the meal and the oil. You say, well, Pastor John, I would, I would, I mean, if God filled my barrel up with meal and my barrel up with oil, there's no way I would ever, I would ever forget that. You know what? God's done things equally as miraculous in our lives and we have forgotten them and overlooked them because we've encountered a problem that overshadowed them and we've forgotten about what God did in their life. The miracle lost its glimmer. But you know what stands out to me in this story more than the widow's emotional response is the genuine compassion that Elijah displayed when he saw the plight of this widow. Verse number 19 Now remember verse number 18. Son died. Elijah walks in. She says to Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou come unto me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? Not a very loving greeting for Elijah. And Elijah answers, And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. You know what I love about this? Is that Elijah did not correct the widow for her attitude. You know what? A lot of times whenever trouble comes into someone's life and someone reacts in what we would call a fleshly reaction. They forget about what God has done. They forget about the blessings that's been in their life. All they're focused on is the problem in their life and they react in a fleshly reaction. Oftentimes, we have a tendency to want to correct them for their reaction. We want to tell them how their reaction is wrong. We want to tell them that they ought to focus on all that God has done for them. We want to remind them of all the blessings they've forgotten about. We want to reprimand them for just not focusing on God in this time of trouble. But you know what I love about Elijah? Is he didn't correct anything. Elijah had genuine compassion for this lady and her son. He didn't rebuke her for questioning God. He didn't admonish her for questioning himself. He didn't hammer her with questions. If you remember there in verse number 17, or excuse me, verse number 18, she said, Art thou come to call my sin to remembrance? Now you remember whenever Job, whenever Job found himself in a bad situation, he had those friends that came, and all they wanted to do was hammer Job. Job, because you're in this situation, there must be some kind of sin in your life. Job, we're here to be your friend. We're here to find out what the sin is. We're here to help you repent of your sin. And what Job really needed was someone to have some genuine compassion. This lady confessed in verse number 18 that there was something in her past. There was some sin in her past. There was something that she had committed that she shouldn't have done. I don't know if it was big or if it was small. I don't know if she was referring to just simple things that she had done throughout her life or if she was referring to a single large act. But she said to Elijah, did you come to my house for the purpose of making me pay for the sin that I did in my past? Elijah didn't hammer her about 
what this sin you're talking about. Elijah didn't sit there and say, well, it's very likely that sin has something to do with it. Let's figure out what it is. Elijah didn't take the path of Job's friends. No. Job didn't preach to, or Elijah didn't preach to her about her lack of appreciation for God's provision. Elijah responded with compassion. He saw her pain. He saw her suffering. But more than that, I believe that Elijah, he's been living here for a while. I believe that Elijah has gotten close to this widow and her son. I believe they were like family to Elijah. And I don't think that Elijah's gesture was a sympathetic, I see you're hurting, so let me help. I believe Elijah felt the same grief she felt. Elijah felt the same pain that she felt. Here was his little buddy. Here's that little guy that always ran out to greet him. Here's the little guy that if Elijah was going to be there local preaching, he went with Elijah. Here's the little fella that carried Elijah's bag for him when Elijah went places. Uh, here's, here's Elijah's little buddy, and he comes in, uh, and his mama's sitting there, and she's holding him, and he's fallen sick, uh, and he's dead, uh, and she looks at Elijah, and she's angry at Elijah, and she's like, Elijah, why did you allow this to happen? Uh, why did you allow this to come into my life? Uh, and Elijah says, my little buddy's dead. Let me have him. Elijah wasn't consumed with wanting to correct her because he felt her pain. Elijah wasn't consumed with wanting to preach to her about everything she was doing wrong because he was suffering with her. Elijah felt her pain and he had genuine compassion. Elijah saw the pain as a mother. He didn't respond as a religious authority. He responded as a friend, as a brother. He said, let me, let me take your son. I believe Elijah was broken over the loss of this child and he did the only thing he knew how to do. He carried the heartbreak to his heavenly father. You know what, whenever we come into a situation, if our first response, and I've definitely been guilty of this, if our first response is to begin to want to correct the people, I believe we've got the wrong mindset. I believe, though, that if we come into a situation and we are close enough to that person or that brother or that sister that we feel their pain, the thought of wanting to correct them won't be on the tip of our tongue, but instead we will be broken just like they are and we will want to go to our Heavenly Father because we will realize that we are in a situation that is bigger than us and we need to get to the Heavenly Father. Anytime we come upon a brother or sister who has suffered loss or who is in a hard situation or has some things going on in their family or whatever they may be doing, it is not our job to say, let me tell you what the Bible says because most likely they know what the Bible says. What they need is a brother or sister to put an arm around their neck and say, let me help you. Let's go talk to God about it. To cry with them and weep with them and bring them to the Heavenly Father. Compassion will always get more results than correction. Responding in love will always heal hurt faster than reproving with truth. Now, I'm not diminishing the importance of truth at all. Truth is very, very, very important. But I'm simply saying that it is far more effective when it's exhibited in love rather than demanded 
1 Corinthians 13, we know the passage, love this passage. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. This next phrase, is my favorite. 1 Corinthians 13, verse number 8, the first three words, charity never faileth. Charity never faileth. Elijah saw the pain and the hurt of this widow, and Elijah responded with genuine compassion. And because Elijah had genuine compassion for the situation, he was able to offer an earnest prayer. Number four on your worksheet is an earnest prayer. Verse number 20, and he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son? He stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. Now I want to point something interesting out right here. Up to this point, we have no record in the word of God of anyone being resurrected from the dead. From Genesis to 1 Kings 17, we have no account of anybody being raised from the dead. Now, people had had their health restored. God had done miraculous things. He parted the Red Sea. He had fed with man and with quail. There are so many things that God had done, but nobody had been resurrected from the dead. Elijah had no example of God's power to look at. He had no, no story he could look back on and say, Father, as you raised Moses from the dead, or Father, as you raised Aaron from the dead, or whatever he could have looked back on. He didn't have any stories to look back on. He had no physical proof that this was something God could do. He had no evidence that God could give this boy's life back to him. This is something that had never happened before. This is something that had never, never been asked for before. This was a new thing. It was a new request. But Elijah went before God, and God said, or Elijah said to God, I want you to restore this boy's life to him again. Elijah may have not had proof that God could raise the dead, but he knew that he served the God of the impossible. He knew that he served the God of the miraculous, and although he had never seen or heard of someone's life being restored, he knew that if anyone was capable, it was his God. You know what, there's things you're going to come up against in life that you don't have any story to look back on. There are situations you're going to find yourself in where you've never heard of God answering that prayer. 
You're going to come upon needs in your life that you're going to wonder, is this something that God can take care of? Elijah asked for a pretty big thing. This had never happened before. But Elijah said, I know if anybody is able to meet this need, it is the God that I serve. And Elijah laid there on that boy and he said, God, restore this boy's life to him again. And God did something that in the Word of God had never been recorded before. And he restored this boy's life to him again. God gave him back his life. This evening, you may have never faced the struggle that you're in before. You may have never climbed the mountain that you're climbing before. You've never heard anybody talk about being victorious in the situation that you're in right now. But if anyone can miraculously bring you through, it is the God that you serve. Elijah knew that the God that he served had all power. He said, if anybody can bring this boy back to life again, it's the God that I serve. Because of his compassion for the situation, he earnestly prayed. And in verse 22 and 23, we see that there was a complete restoration. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came into him again, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him unto his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. Now, I've told y'all before I love to reenact these things in my mind and just imagine how that it happened. And many times whenever you read the words on a page, uh, when, when you read a story, the words written on a page, you define how it happened yourself. And a lot of times when you read the words on a page, we miss what happened. Because we look here in verse number 23. Elijah brought him down to his mom. And Elijah said, see, thy son liveth. That's exactly how we read it. But this is something that's never happened before. Elijah loved this little boy just like his mama did. Elijah was broken just like his mom was. Elijah took this boy up there and he began to pray over this boy. And he got his life back. This is something never happened before. I don't believe that Elijah calmly walked into the living room. See, he's alive. I don't think that's how this went down. No, I think they come running down the steps or climbing down the ladder, however they got from the loft back down into the house. I believe they come down in there in a hurry. I believe that Elijah was a hooping and a hollering. I think the boy was confused. He wasn't sure what was going on. I believe Mama looked up. She was wondering what had happened. All she knew, last she heard, was Elijah carried her son up into the loft, and she looks up, and here's her son, and Elijah said, He's alive! He's alive! He's alive! I believe there was a celebration. I believe there was some rejoicing. I believe there was some remembering that we serve a God that is able. Because Elijah prayed, we have a complete restoration. And in verse number 24, we see the miraculous confirmation. And the woman said to Elijah, and everything's finally calmed down, and everybody quit shouting, and everybody quit hollering, and everybody quit celebrating, and it finally calmed back down. She said to Elijah, now by this, I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is true. Now let me just give this to you, and we'll be finished. Because Elijah responded in compassion, because Elijah earnestly prayed, because Elijah believed that God was able, not only was the son restored, but her belief in God was reaffirmed. And the glory of 
this miracle rekindled the glory of the miracle that preceded it. We can go back. She needed bread for her son. Her son was dead. Now the bread didn't matter. But whenever her son came walking in alive again, all of a sudden she recognized that not only had God provided bread for her son, but God had restored the life of her son and this miracle rekindled the flame of that miracle and she said to Elijah, Now I know, now I know that thou art a man of God and the words that you speak are of the Lord. I know that you're speaking the truth. Why? Because Elijah was a man who responded compassionately, prayed earnestly, believed God was able and this lady saw a complete restoration. You know what, because Elijah responded to this situation in a Christ-like manner, because Elijah believed in God's ability, God was glorified. You know what, a lot of times we go through life and we forget that our purpose is that God be glorified. Because Elijah handled this situation the way that God would have us to handle it, God received all the glory. I believe if when Elijah had came in and he saw her sitting there crying and she would have rebuked Elijah and said those hateful things to Elijah and Elijah would have sat in and began to correct her and began to tell her everything she had done wrong and began to hammer her about her sin and being uncompassionate, uh, it's very likely that she would have refused uh, Elijah's help. Uh, Elijah wouldn't have had the opportunity to pray over the boy. Uh, God would have not had the opportunity to restore the boy. And the lady would have went uh, into uh, an apostate state uh, forgetting uh, about the God that provided meal and oil. Because Elijah responded in a Christ-like manner. Her belief was reaffirmed. She recognized that God was who He said He was. And God was glorified. This evening as we look at this story, let's learn from it. There's going to be times when God allows us to be in a place where there's someone in need. Remember, charity never fails. Respond with compassion. Respond with love. Believe God's able and let God get the glory. Father, thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, for this story. My goodness, Father, how you've challenged me with this story. Father, I pray that you will help us, Lord, to go from here encouraged. And Lord, I pray that you will help us to be a people that will represent you in this life that we live. Watch over us and take care of us. Be with us throughout the rest of this week. Bring us back to your house on the Lord's day. And Lord, I pray you give us opportunity to tell someone about you. Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You are dismissed.